Hello and welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. Uh, 444.com is the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your, I'm your host, Anthony Stalter. Alongside me, as always, is 444 Senior Editor John Polson. And uh, John, before we dive into the music today, how's, how's it going? Everything good? Everything is good. It's August. The camps have started. Uh, that means football's very close behind. Actual football that matters. So uh, we're, we're ramping up at 444. I can't believe that. Sunday is already the Hall of Fame game. Now Bruce Arians is apparently not playing any of his starters. He's already said that, so I don't know. I don't know how fired up you can get for a preseason game, especially the first preseason game. But the fact that it's already here, John, is pretty exciting. Yeah, I would say so. I don't. I don't know if listeners know this, but I don't spend a lot of time watching uh, preseason. I don't know how much do you watch preseason games. I. You know what I try to do? The NFL Network does a great job of showing every preseason game. So what I'll try to do is is watch a lot of the first quarter or the first half, you know, first half for the third preseason games, just to kind of get an idea of uh, offensive scheme changes, defensive scheme changes. I love watching rookies, so sometimes I'll even get to the third quarter. But um, I try to try being the operative word here. I try to take everything with a grain of salt. But you know, I'm excited. I'm watching the game that. The, the 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 rookie player that just caught a third a third down pass for two yards I'm getting excited about you know what I mean I go overboard yeah I think sometimes. I think it's I think it's good for looking at new players um and not you know trying to figure out whether or not they're good and what sort of the, what their role will be I think it's good for that I always found that whenever I watch preseason like a full game or whatever my perception is colored too much and ends up hurting my ranking so I just kind of stopped and just kind of pay attention to what's going on but not so much to the actual watching of the video. And then yeah. if, if there's a player that like, I'll probably, you know, look at Joe Mixon and see how he looked uh, when he was in and, and, you know, any of the rookies that are look slated for, for heavy time, try to see right. uh, how they did and how they look. Uh, do they look like an NFL player and um, ha- adjust the rankings based on that. But other than that, I think I try to stay away from the preseason. All right, before we dive into our podcast today, tell us about the music that brought us in. That was Ron Gallo, who is a uh, guitarist, singer from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, he uh, was born in 1987, so I feel pretty old. <laughs> Wait a second, he's 30? No, is it 30? Yeah, it's 30. Wow, that's 30. That makes me feel old. Uh, but that's the, the name of the song is Young Lady, You're Scaring Me. It's the number one track off of his album, Heavy Meta, from 2017. So uh, we, we added it to the uh, Most Accurate Podcast playlist. Um, so check it out. That, that line reminds me of Billy Billy Madison when the woman comes over. You're, are you a Billy Madison fan? Yeah, John? of course. Yeah. All right. So when the when the lunch lady comes over and she's like, I I know how you guys like them like them sloppy joes. I made them extra sloppy. And Adam Sandler goes, lady, you're scaring us. All right, young lady, no, you're scaring nothing. me. No, you got nothing on that. All right, I was trying to, I was trying to see what I, what you were. I thought you were talking about my uh, age thing, so I was a little. Oh off. no, 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 no. I'm old. I'm old too, John. If you're old, I'm old too. Awkward. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's dive into the the first bit of news here, and that is Andrew Locke, CBS Sports. Jason Lockafora has heard quote plenty of rumblings that Locke, who's got that shoulder issue he's had he's he had surgery on it lock and four says that luck could begin the year on reserve on the reserve pup list and that would cost andrew luck the first six games now colts general manager chris ballard insisted that luck will be activated from the active pup before week one 
I'm getting to the point now, John, with Andrew Luck and the Colts. Even though the Colts have the third easiest schedule, I'm not touching Luck because of that offensive line, especially the right side of the offensive line is a, is a bit of a mess for the Colts, and the fact that he's still banged up at this point. Yeah, I, uh, I was looking at his uh, projection yesterday, and I had him missing one game prior to yesterday's uh, drama. And so I, I moved that up to bump that up to missing two games and he dropped all the way from about six or seven down to 17 in my quarterback ranking. So, um, right now I am just pretty much steering clear. I don't see any scenario other than him dropping until the double digit rounds, uh, to where I'd feel like I need to take him. Um, late round quarterback is a strategy. We're actually going to talk about that, uh, after the, uh, or towards the end of the pod. And there's just no reason with all the, the passing talent uh, in the league right now that owners need to pull the trigger on luck in the fifth or sixth round or even seventh, eighth at this point, uh, given this uh, situation. It does sound good that the GM came out and said, no, he'll be, he'll be ready week one. I mean, that's all good. I mean, T.Y. Hilton, uh, his fantasy value depends a lot on luck's health. And, um, you know, I dropped him from seven to about nine in my standard rankings. Um, so there is a little bit of a hit there, but he's now, you know, just ahead of Sammy Watkins, who also has some, uh, you know, injury question marks surrounding him uh, as well. So uh, I think luck will be fine for week one, but I'm just thinking that I don't know it. And that's uh, makes me a little bit leery to, to use a pick on him. What do you do with Carlos Hyde, John? Because there's there's mixed reviews now on Carlos Hyde. According to CSN Bay Area's Matt Mayoko, Hyde appears set as the 49ers starting running back. And this comes on the heels of reports that Joe Williams, the rookie, has struggled. He's struggled with fumbles thus far. He hasn't looked very good. But when I look at that depth chart, I see Hyde, who's coming off a career year, or a very good year, under previous coach Chip Kelly. There's Tim Hightower, there's Joe Williams, and there's uh, Bibbs. When I look at that depth chart, Carlos Hyde's the most talented running back. But when you hear John Lynch say that, you know, Hyde isn't necessarily a great fit for that outside zone scheme, you hear Shanahan, the new head coach, saying that uh, Carlos Hyde is not a finished product in early March, I don't really know what to make of it. I think Hyde's the most talented back on that 49ers depth chart, but it doesn't seem like the front office and the, and the head coach have, have a lot of belief in Hyde. Yeah, uh, this is a situation we were monitoring closely because this is looking like one where Hyde might be on the way out. Um, there was a Greg Rosenthal uh, mentioned last week that he heard that Hyde could be a surprise cut. Um, John Lynch came out on July 27th and said that Hyde looks tremendous. So you're wondering, is he, are they trying to set this up for a trade or is he actually – is he actually looking tremendous and now is suddenly um, a good fit. Um, But he said that, you know, he looks tremendous quote. He's really dedicated himself, which sounds like he's um, Hyde's doing, doing, doing pretty well. Now I would be a little more cautious on this flipping over back to Hyde. Uh, I mean, all along the ADP for Hyde's been in the fourth, fifth round. I mean, people that, um, weren't really worried about it. We're drafting him there. People that didn't really know about the Hyde issue with, you know, and then the drafting of, of uh, Joe Williams and that whole story, we're drafting him in the fourth, fifth round. And 
Uh, I moved, just moved him up from 31 to about 23 in my standard rankings because it does look like Hyde's going to be the RB1 there. And if, if Joe Williams were having a great camp and Hyde were having a great camp and Tim Hightower were having a great camp, then I would be less inclined. But we have Hyde doing really well, Hightower doing really well, and Williams not doing very well, you know, struggling with, with uh, fumbles and, and other things. So um, this is not shaping up the direction that um, I initially thought after the draft based on the stories and, and the rumblings about Hyde. Um, but you have to, you can't, you gotta, you gotta, sometimes you gotta sail where the wind blows, Anthony. I don't know if I just <laughs> coined that or not, but you can't, you can't be so stubborn that you gotta, you know, stick with your, the take that you had in May right. and stick with it all the way through August. If, if Hyde, you know, we, we do, th- we do think Hyde is good. Um, I'm looking at some of Joe Holka's, uh, rushing expectation numbers. Uh, they look pretty good for him. Uh, as to how he did last year, the concern was with the fit and the fit doesn't seem to be as much of an issue for John Lynch and, and Shanahan as it, as it did. And on top of that, you have the, their handpick rookie not doing well. Um, I think it, I think it's safe now to take Hyde, uh, and you know, at or near his ADP. Although I think I'll probably still be shying away from him because I have him under some, some guys like Amir Abdullah, uh, Mike Gillisley, et cetera. Uh, some potentially Really bad news for a pair of wide receivers on Wednesday. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday. One of which, though, got uh, the a lot a lot more optimistic. The situation got a lot more optimistic as the day wore on. So Sterling Shepard was carted off the field at Giants training camp, but apparently he was he was he only rolled his ankle and he was diagnosed with a low ankle sprain. And as we know, the high ankle sprain is the one that you want to avoid. So. Not only did Sterling Shepard avoid some kind of season-ending injury, John, it was just a low ankle sprain. So what's your thoughts on Sterling Shepard? And uh, second to that, Will Fuller was diagnosed with a broken collarbone, so less optimistic view with Will Fuller, although he's only expected to miss two to three months. So is Fuller now uh, one of those late late grab, late late round grabs? And how do you view Sterling Shepard with both – Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Marshall also in the Giants passing game. Well, I think Fuller was going fairly late prior to all this, like 11th, 12th round, I, I think, uh, off the top of my head. He's probably going to drop further now, and he, he might be a guy you could just monitor after the draft is done and then maybe pick him up uh, at the end of September once you have some a free roster spot. Um, I don't know if he's going to go get drafted at this point because he's going to miss uh, – it sounds like he's going to miss at least four weeks uh, saying here uh, five day, you know, five weeks, five through eight is when he would return potentially. Um, so that's ha- almost, it could be half the season. So I don't know if he's really draft worthy at this point. Uh, definitely somebody to monitor though, because I think if the quarterback situation sort of straightens, straightens itself out there, they don't have a lot of weapons in the passing game other than DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and he could, you know, Fuller could step in and, and do pretty well. Uh, as for Sterling Shepard, this really sounded bad. He was carted off. He was in a lot of pain and apparently in tears. And then it turned out to be, then it was compared to a basketball, you know, turn, you know, sprained ankle, which I've done, I don't know, 20, 25 times in my life. I don't think I cried once. So this whole, <laughs> I don't, You're tough, though, John. Yeah. I don't think that that's 
I don't, I'm a little, I'm not, I guess I'm not skeptical of the report. I mean, it got really positive really quickly. It's probably is a low sprain, but I wonder about the initial report about him being in huge pain and everything. I, maybe he overreacted or maybe the reporter overreacted or maybe he thought it was a knee or something and it just ended up being, uh, the ankle injury. Maybe he thought he broke his ankle. I guess that could cause, uh, some tears. So, uh, Shepard is going to take a back seat to, Brandon Marshall probably in that passing game. He wasn't going to, not likely to see as many targets as he did last year. Uh, I don't really have him ranked in a position where I'm drafting him at all. Um, you know, he all of a sudden would get fantasy value if something happened to Odell Beckham or, or to Marshall. And, um, you know, that's certainly not inconceivable, but he's not uh, somebody that's coming out of the gate fantasy relevant, in my opinion. Martav- uh, Martavis Bryant, according to, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Some people in the Steelers organization aren't happy with the NFL, Roger Goodell, dragging their feet over the delay in Bryant's reinstatement. Now, he lost a year of football a year ago, but he came back, he checked himself into rehab. He was he either is or was getting treatment for depression. He reapplied to the NFL, and he apparently gained 10 pounds of muscle while trading in Nevada, he, he he's just a, a guy hellbent on um, you know coming back strong. He's only twenty five years old, John. Where are you targeting Bryant in the draft right now? Coming off of uh, this this delay now in in his uh, reinstatement. Well, the whole reinstatement delay is a little worrisome. So I have him ranked um, higher in standard. He's just not a big 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 PPR guy. I have him ranked pretty high in standard uh, at sixteen. Um, He's at 30 in PPR, you know, 59 catches, 934 yards, 8.7 touchdowns. I think that he could, you know, if, if he were fully reinstated looking great, I think he'd be ranked, I would rank him higher, but I'm, I'm pricing him right now with the chance that he's still not, he's still an eligible practice. He's still not reinstated, fully reinstated. And I thought this would be taken care of by now. Um, so I'm a little bit, um, a little bit leery about drafting him. I, I do want to get a share of him, but he's going, you know, his ADP has risen into like the fourth round. And um, that's a little bit pricey for me, given some of the other options there that are uh, actually uh, eligible to play this year, fully eligible to play this year. So uh, I do think that he's a tremendous talent and that if he is reinstated, uh, he should be able to pick up where he left off. And it's obviously a great thing for uh, Ben Roethlisberger as well to have to Bryant in the lineup. Let's talk about Todd Gurley. Coach Sean McVay raved about Gurley as a pass catcher and apparently expressed a desire to get him more opportunities there. Everybody that selected Todd Gurley a year ago realized that he was a, just an absolute mega bust. And the good news is that McVay has shown up. McVay actually knows knows what the hell he's doing from an offensive standpoint. Jeff Fisher does not. So that's the good news on Gurley. Uh, for me, John, I'm not going to be overly optimistic here. This passing game is still woefully inept. It's going to be better than what it was a year ago because, again, you're making that change from McVay to um, – or Fisher to McVay. But at the same time, this offensive line is still a major work in progress. Whitworth has taken over for Greg Robinson, who was a bust in his own right, uh, left tackle, but the rest of the line's got either injury problems or you don't know about certain guys in, in certain spots, uh, i.e. they've got a, a young player named Rob Havenstein who's going from right tackle to right guard. Todd Gurley wasn't when he wasn't busting off long runs. He wasn't that great of a back. I think he's got a lot of talent, but 
we saw a year ago, John, that when he wasn't breaking off the, the 50 plus yard runs that he was in his rookie year, he, he just wasn't effective at all. Are you buying into Gurley based on what you're hearing in the, uh, on the passing game and all the, the, the glowing reviews coming out of LA? I, I'm just not getting him where he's going. He's, he's being drafted in the late second round and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pull the trigger on him there. Maybe in the middle of the third round. Uh, but I'd rather have Leonard Fournette. Uh, so right now I'm basically getting him instead of, of Gurley. If I'm looking at a running back at that uh, point in the draft, um, it's just not, it's just one of these combinations of me having him ranked a little bit low and then his price being really high and I'm just not getting him anywhere. So the, 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 the takeaway for me from the, for this is, is that uh, Lance Dunbar is, um, he's got the knee injury. He's been battling knee injuries for a while. I was worried about Dunbar basically coming in and doing the Benny Cunningham thing and stealing uh, possible touches for Gurley. But if he's if Dunbar can't play or is going to be a smaller factor than initially thought, then Gurley uh, gets a bump in the passing game. I've got him projected now for 42 catches for 343 yards and a touchdown in the receiving game. And that's kind of moved him up. Uh, a few spots in my PPR rankings up to 13. Uh, he's at 15 in um, standard format. So uh, the other issue is that the offense just has been bad. And that, as you mentioned, alluded to that Jared Goff hasn't been good and you need to have some sort of passing game in order to, to, you know, keep eight men out of the box for Gurley. And um, it's up to Sean McVay to figure out how to, how to get there with that offensive line and, and his receivers that he has. I mean, he lost Kenny Britt, uh, replaced him with Robert Woods, um, uh, so it's we're not, we're looking at a team, an offense with very low offensive talent, and that's a that's a concern for Gurley in terms of the overall outlook, number of red zone carries, all that kind of stuff. So I, it's just a player that I haven't drafted much due to, to rankings and ADP cost. I'm with you, and I do want to stress this: Jared Goff and that Rams offense is going to be better than it was a year ago, but. Better is pretty relative. When you look at the rest of the NFL, look at some of these other offenses, the Rams are still nowhere close. So better, yes, but they got a long way to go. All right, before we dive into some of John's quarterbacks that you can find in the, the, the later rounds and looking at some quarterback values, I want to tell you about draft. Fantasy football fans got to listen up to this. You're going to love draft. It's an app that you use. It's a new best ball league app. It's a season-long league, just like you play with your friends, but with no management. You just set it. You forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. Draft takes care of the hard work for you. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best score gets automatically selected every single week. You can draft the team anytime you want, and leagues are starting every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. Best part is there are no salary caps, and you you play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start from just $3, so there's a a league for everyone, and it's easy to start playing draft today. Just go to playdraft.com backslash 4 for 4. That's playdraft.com, the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4, and you can join a game in minutes. All new players get free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code, which is 4 for 4. That's right. You can play a real money game for free just for using our promo code, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4. All right, John, late round quarterback overview. Talk to us a little bit about your process here, uh, finding you know what, what, what you're looking for in a late round QB, some things that you're targeting, and then we'll get into some uh, specific names. 
Yeah, this is a strategy that's been around for a while. Um, it, it's just as you are drafting, as the years go on, you can. It, it was obvious over the last, I guess, ten or so years that the as the league became more of a passing league, that even some some bad quarterbacks were posting good fantasy numbers. And um, the nature of the position uh, quarterback is it's a onesie position. So uh, what I mean by that is owners only have to draft one. And that uh, means that in a league where they only, they only roster one, you might, there might be, you know, 18 um, to 20 starting quarterbacks available on the waiver wire. Um, Some leagues, obviously you're going to have people rostering two, but you still have six or eight to 10 uh, starting quarterbacks in the waiver wire that you could stream if you needed to. Um, So just the demand is a lot less than if you're talking about the running back position or the wide receiver position. So, as the strategy goes, you could wait. I remember doing this. I don't know. It was back. I was just looking at Ben Roethlisberger, and I just, he was the, like the twelfth quarterback off the board several several years ago. And just where you were getting him, I think at that point it was eighth ninth round. You could draft uh, six or seven or eight um, quarterbacks, or I'm sorry, six or seven or eight uh, running backs, wide receivers, maybe even a stud tight end um, before even taking and then adding a pretty talented. Roethlisberger to the mix and uh this year it's just I'm just looking at um the the guys going in the 12 to 17 range and it's just just a it's like a murderer's row of late round value um so uh, you could we could talk about specific players um but in general um the strategy goes wait 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 on the uh, quarterback position the value emerges as you get into the double digits, it's hard to do that sometimes in some leagues because, you know, um, they'll draft quarterbacks early. They'll draft quarterback in the first round. The guy might take it back up in the fifth. But if you're, if you're out there and you're just targeting that 16th or 17th running back or quarterback that we're going to talk about today, um, you're going to get great value and, uh, be able to, uh, stack your roster with talent elsewhere. Let's talk about some of these specific quarterbacks, John. You mentioned Ben Roethlisberger. We talked about Bryant coming back with the Fury uh, as soon as the NFL gives him this full reinstatement. I mean, Bryant's going to be huge for Roethlisberger, uh, and he's one of those late-round QBs that you can target. So some expanded thoughts on Big Ben. Yeah, so the guys we're going to talk about today are basically going 12th through 17th in MFL 10 ADP. But there are another handful of guys uh, if you look at Janus Winston, he's going pick 96. He's the seventh quarterback off the board. Mariota is also going pick 96, 97. Uh, Cousins is going pick 101. Derek Carr is going pick 101. Uh, Cam Newton is going 103. So those are the guys going seventh through 11th. Um, so any of those guys, talking pick 96, that puts you in round, at the end of round eight, beginning of round nine. So if you like one of those guys, they may be available uh, there for you in round nine. And if, if one of these other guys that we're going to talk about today go early, then one of those guys is going to end up slipping because that's just how it works. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that if you're in a 12 team league and you're the last person to draft a quarterback, you can usually wait an extra round or two before drafting your starter because most of your competitors will not draft a backup quarterback before they fill out a backup running back, backup wide receiver, probably two at each of those positions and also draft their tight end. So uh, what I've noticed is those guys going in the 11th to 13th range tend to be, uh, tend to fall a little bit further, um, in, in the fancy draft. So Roethlisberger specifically, uh, in 19 games with Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant in the lineup, he's averaged, 
337 passing yards and 2.1 touchdowns per game. That's since 2014. I think the worry with Roethlisberger is the home away splits. So if he if he's playing on the road against the Browns, I would feel okay about starting him there. If he's playing on the road against Denver, I would plan to stream um, stream, stream another quarterback in that position uh, in that scenario, just because his home and away splits have been so stark over the last few years. Let's talk about Andy Dalton. I feel like at 444.com, there's been several articles talking about how underrated Dalton is. And granted, he was coming off uh, kind of a down year. He wasn't great a year ago, but he also lost A.J. Green for a long portion of the season. Mohamed Sanu signed with Atlanta. Marvin Jones signed with Detroit. And Marvin Jones, um, I'm not. I'm sorry, not Marvin Jones, but uh, Hugh Jackson, his offensive coordinator, wound up being the head coach in Cleveland. So, with Andy Dalton, I feel like he's somebody that will always be passed over in fantasy leagues, and he's going to be there um, in the in the late rounds. He's, if nothing else, Andy Dalton is very efficient, John. Yeah, and uh, he was 12th last year, 12th, 13th, even with A.J. Green missing all that time. Uh, he was the number four fantasy quarterback back in 2013. Uh, so he's got a top five uh finish under his resume. He was also 12th in 2012. So he's got, I guess, three top 12, top 13 type finishes in the last five years. He was 19th in 2014 and 18th in 2015. So, uh, you know, he's go- he's a 16th quarterback off the board. So even if he has quote unquote a down year for him, he's still going to provide decent value for what you're getting. And then if you look at what he did with uh, AJ Green last two seasons, uh, let's assume AJ Green plays 15, 16 games um, Dalton has completed 65% of his passes for 261 yards. It's 8.1 yards per attempt, which is very good. 1.57 touchdowns uh, against 0.57 interceptions per game. And then the other area where he really adds an extra boost is, is being able to run it in when he's close. He, he has averaged uh, about a quarter of a touchdown per game um, with Green in the lineup. And, you know, this is multiple seasons worth of data. Um, those are solid QB1 numbers. So, you know, you're getting him in the 11th, 12th round. Um, it depends on your league, I guess, but that's a, he's one of my primary, if not my, the primary target that I'm using for the, for the late round quarterback. Dak Prescott was incredible a year ago. In fact, only Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, and Kirk Cousins averaged more yards per pass attempt. And I believe Dak Prescott finished as the QB six last year as, as he, uh, burst onto the scene as a rookie. Now, there's probably going to be some regression here, John, but the playbook should also open up more for Dak Prescott, meaning, you know, the passing game, he should be more more uh, involved in the passing game as well. So Dak Prescott, talk about him as a late-round flyer. Yeah, he's going 13th at MF, in MFL 10s. Over at Fantasy Football Calculator, he's going uh, – he's the 15th quarterback off the board. This is all kind of surprising given his great finish last year. Um, but a repeat, I guess – you know, the fantasy industry does not feel like it's in the cards, but it's also just a very competitive position where, you know, any number of these guys we're talking about could finish in the top six or eight. And that's why it's such a good year to wait on the quarterback. But um, that he finished six and that was with Des Bryant kind of having a, a substandard year, missing three games. And as you mentioned, he Prescott should be far more prepared for this season um, and, and should have a more reign over the, the playbook and maybe open up the offense a little bit and uh, that should help his fancy numbers. But um, you know, some regression is expected from his number six finish last year. One quarterback, if you're a regular listener that, uh, that John really likes and has liked for the last year and a half has been Tyrod Taylor. 
And when you watch Tyrod Taylor play, he'll frustrate you. You'll see that you know he'll he'll be inconsistent reading defenses, and he's just you know there 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 are weeks where he looks like he shouldn't be playing the position at all. But at the the end of the season, his his numbers are there, and you know he he gives you a lot too from not only a passing standpoint, but he'll he'll run and you know the touch the touchdowns are usually there too. If Sammy Watkins can stay healthy, Tyrod Taylor, John, do you think that he can finish top ten fantasy? Yeah, absolutely. He's he's uh been posting top top ten, top eight numbers on a per game basis the last two seasons. So he's, he's got a track record now that we can sort of lean on. Um last year we were talking a lot about Taylor uh in the preseason as the primary uh target at the quarterback position and then Sammy Watkins uh foot acted up again. Um Taylor still Still produce top eight numbers with with Watkins in and out of the lineup, so that's a great sign. Even when his re- receivers are sort of s- substandard, he can still make plays with his feet or uh, with his arm. Um, his age 26, 27 numbers compare pretty well to Russell Wilson, who's going I don't know how many rounds earlier. And right now, Watkins' health is really trending up. Uh, it, it looks like his foot is 100%. And that's great news for Taylor. Uh, you know, aside from Dalton, I think Taylor is my uh, number two target at the position this year. Let's shift gears. Talk about Matthew Stafford. I thought Stafford had one of his best years as a pro, especially without Calvin Johnson. I mean, he was highly efficient, and he proved that he wasn't just the guy that chucks it deep and allows Calvin Johnson to bring it down in double coverage. Uh, he was solid a year ago. The offensive line for Detroit can be shaky at times. The running game was absent for most of last year, but Stafford's kind of a nice late, late round value as well. Yeah, he's one of six quarterbacks with back to back top 10 seasons in the last two years. So uh, he's been consistent. Uh, he's in the last uh, six seasons, he's finished in the top 10 five times. Uh, yet he goes in the middle of the, I don't know, he's in the teens right now in his ADP. So he's another one that. You know, if, if for some reason uh, Dalton goes early, Stafford's, you know, usually is the one that falls. Uh, and you can get him in the late round. He's going with pick 117 uh, as the 14th quarterback off the board at, in MFL 10s. And he's uh, the 14th quarterback off the board at Fantasy Football Calculator going uh, with pick 118. So uh, another guy that you can plug in there, probably get baseline QB1 numbers. Um, proven track record with multiple top 10 finishes, including two in back-to-back years. It's just a a solid pick that late in the draft. One of the quarterbacks that's always annually underrated is Phillip Rivers. He's durable. He always posts his numbers despite everything going wrong around him. Phillip Rivers has been the one constant in San San Diego, now in LA. Uh, Antonio um, Gates, you could throw in that mix as well, John, but Philip Rivers, I feel like he's been undervalued too in a lot of MFLs, MFL ten leagues, and and now uh, you know heading into the heading into the preseason. Yeah, eight eight out of the nine last year, uh, seasons he has finished in the top twelve or better. Uh, he had one uh, season two thousand twelve where he was twenty first. So his ADP, you know, is is the thirteenth quarterback off the board at Fantasy Football Calculator. Uh, he's the fifteenth quarterback off the board at MFL tens. You know, pick 119. So we have another player uh, in that range, you know, going in the 10th round um, where you could get him very cheap and, and add him to 
a really talented lineup. And, and Rivers did the, all that last year after losing Keenan Allen. Uh, Antonio Gates was injured for a portion. Uh, you know, Tyrell Williams was stepped in and was the number one uh, receiver there. Uh, so it's just one of these years, but he still posted the numbers. I know he had uh, a bad stretch down, you know, over the last eight games on the stretch, he had a bad uh, series of games uh, compared to the first eight games, but uh, you can see what he can produce when the offense is relatively healthy. And we're heading into the season again with the offense relatively healthy. Uh, Keenan Allen is back. Tyrell Williams has emerged as a really good uh, number two option. Uh, might end up being the number one option in terms of total yardage there uh, for the for the Chargers. I wouldn't be shocked if he um, unless he's getting off on a Tyrell uh, Tyrell Williams ramble. So I'm not going to do that. So, uh, <laughs> but the, the receiving core is good, is my point. Travis Benjamin, uh, Dontrell Inman. They also added Mike Williams, a rookie there. Uh, his back is acting up, but they also have Hunter Henry and they have Antonio Gates uh, at tight end as well. So it's just a, if the offensive line can stay relatively healthy, I, I saw that Lamp, the rookie, had an injury today. Uh, then I think Rivers is another one of these good values that you can uh, get in the 10th round. You can follow John Paulson on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter. Um, John will – do you have another bonus episode coming up, John? Do you want to you preview one? Yes, uh, tomorrow – no, not tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow, uh, August 3rd, I am going to be talking to TJ Hernandez uh, of 444. He's got a series of great uh, offensive coordinator – uh, studies that he does every year when the uh, offensive coordinators take over a new offense, uh, he'll he'll break down the numbers and try to predict what's going to happen to the with the new personnel. And then I'm also uh, going to talk to him a little bit about touchdown re- re- uh, regression studies that he did earlier in the summer uh, to try to get some a few takeaways. It should be some really good um, uh, nuggets there, statistical nuggets there uh, from from TJ. So looking forward to it. Awesome. TJ does great work. Uh, Chris Raybon as well. Joe Holka. Everybody at 444.com. You got to check out the content that they're producing on a daily basis. That's all the time that we have for you. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stoltzer. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast.